Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 106 tonight. I used to be able to do like the different things, but I can't do it fast enough to do like 106. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not that talented. Welcome to 106 of the podcast tonight. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living life full time, interviewing creatives, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and just people living different types of Life's to uh, just talk about the things that we have the ability to do, not the things that we have to do. So uh, on tonight's episode, I think that that's a really relevant topic and some of the things that I noted on here. This gentleman was uh, kind enough to have me hang out on his podcast, which I don't know any of you listening to the show, you already hear my voice enough. So if you could possibly stand my voice any longer, then you should go check out this dude's show. Maybe just skip my episode on there. Just go check out his show. But uh, <laughs> no, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one, man. But it, it, but uh, so I've got Max Schur from the Schur Agency and a podcaster. I'm not. I'm told not to say the name of it. You know, I'm going <laughs> to link it up on here just because he's changing things up a little bit. But yep, yep. a fellow podcaster on here too, and and we. We'll probably talk through a bunch of different things tonight, man, because I know like on my episode with you, we talked about like that whole palette of things that that I do and how similar you are in that fashion that you do all these other things. He's a guitarist. He makes websites. He's traveling. He does all sorts of things to facilitate business and run his business. He's a podcaster. Like It's just like that vibe. So I know that we have a lot to talk on, but one thing that I've never had on the show before. I've done like, I've had uh, my friends that are living like the van life. I've had uh, some people living like alternative lives, but one that's super popular modern day because we have the ability and something that I haven't had the show is just like this digital nomad piece that you're doing. So I totally want to hit that out of the, the circle of things that I'm sure we're going to talk on tonight, but oh yeah, welcome Max. Thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you for dealing yeah. with me for a second hour of life, huh? First time was so much fun. Had to do it a second time, man. man I'm uh, super brave. excited to be here. Brave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun, man. You're you're a pretty chipper dude, and you're you're obviously an, an interesting guy. So I'm I'm happy to be able to invite you back over my way, so I can pick your brain. Well, I'm blushing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So uh, Max, for people that that don't know you, for my audience. Do you want to run them through like what is this thing that you're doing? I think you're like three to seven months into this. What what are you what are you up to nowadays? And and where did you come from to kind of get to the to the place that you're at? What's what's up with Max Sure? Yeah, so um I guess I'll just give you the the cliff notes that I do. So about six years ago, I was starting my freshman year of college. I started a web design agency and uh over the course of about four to five years, I built that up and turned it into, into what it looks like now. It's been a um, quite a journey to get here, but it's allowed me to live a pretty cool lifestyle at this point. Now I'm just hopping from city to city, doing one to two months of Airbnb, just staying in a single place, getting to live life there. Pretty awesome. Right now I'm in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, which is probably my favorite place. No, it's, so it's you're there now, dude. man. It's perfect. There's like it's crazy because you know I, I thought I w- I didn't realize how big of a thing this was until I came here. Like everyone I meet is living this same lifestyle. It's crazy. Yeah, I got added. I think I think I just saw that she's watching this. But my friend Rachel added us to added me to this Facebook group that she runs out here, and it's like all digital nomads just all hang out. So now I have like this friend group out here, and it's crazy. Been here for five days. <laughs> wow. So like you're saying like specifically. Like, obviously, like I, I've heard of this and then like COVID times, it's like it pushed a lot of people to, I think, do this, like this, this ability has been here. And I feel like it's almost newly found that like people could do these things, or at least there's more capability to allow that than before. But are you saying specifically that in that city, 
that just seems to be a huge pocket of like people there happen to be a, like potently digital nomads for some reason. Yeah, man. Why? Like, Why? I don't there? know. I think in that one group, there's 950 people. I, I think it's a combination of a couple things. One oh is God. it's like one of the few countries you can get into pretty easily right now. Like there's not, re- I didn't have to do anything to get into Mexico. I just booked a flight, but like getting into some other countries is kind of challenging right now. And then there's also, it's just beautiful all year in, in this city. It's like, you got a combination of like tropical jungle with beach and it's, it's about perfect, man. Couldn't design a better place. Dang. So it's, it's just a nice place to be at, which might've made them flock there. And they might've been at the other places, but for some reason there's probably a ton here and it's easier to find maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also like pretty safe too. Like there's a lot of stereotypes about living in Mexico. It's like, it's really safe to live here. Right. That's huge. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been living out of the Airbnbs and kind of traveling and hosting work from it? And then how frequently have you been changing? So I left, um, I was living in Tucson, Arizona and I left there in, I want to say July maybe. And I just rented out that place. Then I went and just hopped around and visited friends and like literally was just being three days to a week in each city just to get it out of my system. Then I went to, I did that for like a month and a half. Then I went to Austin for two months. um, And that was probably around September. And I've been going ever since then. So what's that? Like eight months? About eight months out. Yeah. 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 So mostly like just off a feel then there's no like actual schedule. It's just off a feel of like where you want to go next and how long you are there probably is based off of how much you're enjoying it, I'd imagine. Absolutely. I mean, the longest I've played, I've stayed in one place is two months. And that happened in Austin and it happened in Nashville because I just love those cities. And I would absolutely stay here for two months too, but I've got a family thing I got to go do. Sister's graduating. Fair. I was going to ask you because I, I know that you were talking about how much you like that place. I was going to be like, are you going to keep moving around or is this where you're going to be at? I was wondering Dude, that. I feel like everywhere I go, I'm like, this is where I'm staying. <laughs> and then someone's <laughs> like, you should go to Puerto Vallarta. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> oh my God. Like, just like, hey, there's another place you should go. And you're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's totally just going with the wind. I'm, there, I really don't have any plans. I know I need to go back to the States for at least a little bit, probably until mid-June. But I want to go see South America. Other challenge there is I don't know if it's going to be open. Some of my other like nomad friends were telling me that you really can't get in anywhere down there. Oh, really? Down in South America? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of us are optimistic right now in terms of like what's possible for this year. But I know that like vaccine rollout in many countries is so variable. It's so variable of how each place is doing with that that I'm sure that still the rest of this year is going to be super mixed. But I bet you that there's going to be places that are more open to uh, get you in, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, we'll kind of just got to roll with the flow. Oh, my buddy Nick says hi. What's up, Nick? <laughs> I feel like people think it's not safe to live in. Yeah, well, I, I think parts of it are, are unsafe for sure. But like this, I, this area, I can say, like, I feel very safe in. The only thing I've seen happen here was my buddy got like, it was actually kind of crazy. We were, we were sitting on the beach and this little kid came up to us and he was, um, he was uh, like digging around looking for like a dog or something. He was like four years old. And okay. we realized like moments later that he had grabbed one of my friend's bags with like his passport and everything and just dipped. No uh, way. We never got that back. But like, it's like some four-year-old kid just totally messed up this guy's trip here. He's from Canada. So he's, he's like in trouble now. Oh my God. Yeah. So like you, so did he, what he told you guys that he was like looking for a dog, but he was really trying to get his bag. Was that what was going on? Yeah. He was like, it was in Spanish too. So like we were like, kind of understanding what he was saying to us. And he was like trying to find the dog, but we, I should have realized like he was like reaching and grabbing stuff, but I'm like, it's a four-year-old. <laughs> Who cares? Right. right. And it's like probably like really hectic where you're like not ready. So you're like, what is going on, dude? Like, yeah. What are you up to? Yeah. 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 We've been traveling. Uh, we were somewhere in the, the Caribbean on one of like the lesser populated islands. And there was a woman that came up and was, she was trying to sell us bracelets and she like put them on us and basically was like you have to make a donation to the school where these are made but when you looked at it it said like made in thailand or something and i was like i showed it to her i was like 
the kids made it, the kids from the school here made this in Thailand? <laughs> like, do they have like really expensive field trips that they're raising money for or something like that? She got pissed and she walked away. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I've been, I've been down some of the, uh, the like the places where it's like a haggle market or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like, as like a, uh, you know, like a sales background person, sometimes I get into those markets and I'll be like, Hey, like I'll tell my wife, like, Hey, I'm going to go hang out in here for a little bit. And I just want to play the game, man. I just want to be like, how low can I get these sunglasses? And I'll just Dude. be like, I'll be like, yo, like someone will come up and they'll be like, Oakley's Ray-Ban, blah, blah, blah. And like, show me it. And I'll be like, I'll be like straight up. Like, I need you to be straight with me, man. These aren't Oakley or Ray-Ban. Like, let's just say that right now. They look good. They feel good. Like, we both know that, like, this is still, like, pretty damn good or else you wouldn't be able to trick people. Like, let's just just be straight with me. These aren't Oakley or Ray-Ban, right? And I'll be like, well, yeah. And I was like, but they look good. I want them. And, like, I'll be like, how, like, and I'll try to, like, I'll just sit in there and just haggle with people, man. I will buy stuff, too, at some point. So I'm not a total dick, but it's fun. I love playing that game. I love it. I love it. I man. always overestimate myself in those because, like, I'm like you, like, oh, I'm a salesman. I got this, but it's a different game. Like, selling a website is not like buying sunglasses. <laughs> it's a super no, different thing. It's fast. They, yeah, they're yeah. really they're they're insanely good, man. This all they do yeah, all yeah. day is sell. And so I got these bad boys. Yeah, dude, they look good. Yeah, like <laughs> fake Ray Bans <laughs> all day, man. I'll buy fake Ray Bans all day long. Yep. <laughs> so, but uh, I'm sure. Uh, People will want in the uh, the show notes that what I can uh, list out about haggling and uh, <laughs> hagglers markets. But with the traveling, man, I mean, I guess like what what's your advice to people that you're running a business, which sounds like that is giving you the straight up freedom. But even me with my day job during uh, COVID times where I straight up couldn't go out on any like customer appointments or anything, I took like two weeks and I went down to my Tennessee property and I just worked like in the mountains out there on the internet. And like, even that, like that freedom of uh, this digital ability to run through business at that time, I was like, this is the coolest thing that I can just like do a road trip down to Tennessee and go work in another spot in the country and just do this and still conduct like business the same way that I always was like the same money was flowing through what I was doing for work in the day. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. And also like, why do I not do this? And uh, do you have advice though, like for people where maybe their day job isn't good for it, or maybe they, they want to move to a day job or move to their own business or something or a model that would give them the ability to do this? Do you have any advice for people on how to kind of start that life up or things that you've learned along the way doing that, that would be helpful for them if they want to sustain it? Yeah. Um, it's a lot cheaper if you do it with roommates. Uh that's, you know, if you're going to do it through Airbnb, which is how, how I do it, uh, it can get kind of pricey if you're not doing it with roommates. I'm not anymore doing it with roommates, but that's how I got into it initially and sold myself on living this life. But uh, you said initially with roommates to cut down the cost on those Airbnbs. Yeah, yeah. I went with my, uh, my buddy Mick and uh, that was really fun. But I also like living alone. So that's cool too now. The uh, other advice I would give being in a good position where you can take a day off randomly for like a travel day is important because like, for example, when I was driving from Arizona to Florida and I tried to do that in, in two days at the end of the second day, it was like, you know, it's a two, it's a, it's, I think it's about 1500 miles you have to drive and it takes about 24 hours. And we were on mile 23 or hour 23. And it was like right before we got to, to the place we were staying in Florida, maybe um, an hour away. Um, our car broke down just like randomly in the swamp lands of Florida. And nice. We had to spend the night at a gas station because uh, there was no tow truck in this small town in the middle of Holy nowhere to come shit. get us. So I like literally my friend and I were just in our chairs sleeping in this car oh. at a pump <laughs> waiting for a tow truck that was not coming. Oh, so, so, no. so obviously the next day I had to be flexible and not have to go into work that day. So setting up, if doing this kind of thing is a goal for you, you kind of have to set up your life in a way that if you have to miss a day, it's going to be okay. Or you can tell your clients like, Hey, an emergency happened. So I would definitely say if you're not in that kind of situation, don't try it or be very, very careful with your travel plans. Real estate is the other thing I would say to be is prevents a lot of people from doing it. If you have a lease, you know, that can, that can prevent you from doing it. So come up with creative ways to get out of your lease or sublet or something like that. That all worked out really well for me. And then, of course, you know, the, all the tips you can give someone about just being a freelancer or an entrepreneur or whatever it is that, that you want to be, you know, that's a whole separate category. But those are also important. Right. It's got to be like a game of like, 
I need to keep my overhead down. I need to control the overhead that I induce and I need to find ways to control and generate income from something that can be facilitated perfectly through online, right? Those three, those three must be like the pillars of giving yourself that ability. So it's like, if you have crazy overhead, you're just opening up for a lot of risk and things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. Or if you are working a business that you have no online ability, like there, there are things that are a physical, you know, input output thing, or they might be physical, but you haven't thought of a way to do digital, but there might be a way to do digital. Mm -hmm. You have to create and do something that's sustainable. And then obviously, like you were saying, like roommates or like keeping an eye on those Airbnbs, you know, there's obviously a huge demand for domestic travel right now. So I'm sure you probably get crafty with like how you're picking them or whatever you're doing to do those. But the other thing, there's a message I send like before I move to a new city, I send it to like 20 or so Airbnbs that meet the criteria I'm looking for. Just like asking them for a lower price, just like straight up saying like, Hey, you're outside of my price range, but I love your place. Is there anything I can do to, you know, get a lower price? And like nine out of 10 of them will just drop the price and send you a special offer right there. And no then way. you can compare the real numbers. Yeah. Cause they're making crazy margins right now. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And for you, I mean, for you, for them, it's like, if I stay here for two months to have it booked for two months, that's gold for them too. They're like, I would love to have it just booked and not have to worry about the turnover for it. Totally. Yeah. And I've got a five-star rating on Airbnb, which is primo. Extremely important. <laughs> so important. Yep, for man. sure. For sure. I know my wife talks about it all the time because she's like, she, she says openly, she's like, I know that this is the way, like for the foreseeable future, it's the only way, the only places that I'm going to be staying. Like I'll never stay in a hotel again because Mm -hmm. I just love this. So she's like, so this five-star rating that I have is like literally so important to me because of the life that I want to live of just like, even we're not even doing the, the stuff that you're doing where it's like our straight up living, but just like for travel, that's just the way that we roll. So it's like very, very, we work very hard to make it so we're leaving places good and like being legit to the, the owners of those, you know? So well, you're also going to be a host. So you got to respect your peers. I am going to be a host. <laughs> I know. I better be a super host, man. Dude, I also so, want to get into that game really badly. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I will see if it works out because we're dumping a lot of money in right now. And if it doesn't come back out, then uh, I suck. But, uh, if it if it works out, then I'm going to be pretty pumped on it, and I think we're going to be pretty after it. But it's fun right now, at least figuring like figuring out that world because it's just nothing that I've ever done before. Yeah, yeah, it's I've never done it either, to be honest with you. But how hard can it be? <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy. <laughs> I think you got this. I hope so, man. I believe it. Um, so, how long are you going to do this, man? What, what, what's your, do you have any expectation in the future? Are you just straight up like, this is what I'm doing right now. And like, we'll see what happens. Well, when I was living in Nashville, I was kind of feeling like, you know, I've done pretty much everywhere in the States that I'd wanted to go. And I was like, I was kind of like, for some reason or another, I was kind of thinking like, I didn't want to leave the States. Um, but then I just pulled the trigger randomly and came here to Puerto Vallarta and I'm meeting all these other like international people. I'm like one of the only Americans here. So I'm meeting all these other people from like Canada and Australia and the UK and they've been everywhere. These people, oh, cool, been, man. like I'm a baby traveler for them. Like they look at me and like, oh, you've only been doing this for eight months and you've just left the country. Like, ah, you, you haven't even done this. Like no shit. Some man. of these people have been doing these for this for decades. Wow. Like yeah. straight, boom, like straight. Like these wow. travel influencer people. Yeah. Yeah. This is like what they do. Crazy. Um, but they're, they're kind of inspiring me. They're like, you don't, you haven't even put your feet in the water yet. So. Now yeah. I kind of want to do, I kind of feel like I need to stay in the time zones of the U.S., at least for now. So I'm, I'm thinking South America, maybe some of the Caribbean, uh, but I don't know what those time zones look like, to be honest with you. But I imagine they can't be that different. Right. I know that is tricky. And I remember, uh, I don't know what, I was way younger. I remember one of the first iPhones that I got or something when, it, you know how it comes and has like all those like clocks on it and it shows the international, the different time zones. I used to look at that and I'd be like, why in the fuck does this come stat like default on this? Like what, why, why in the world does anyone give a shit about all these other things? And I, I used to be like, what is up with this? And then like, I looked on my phone the other day, I have like every single time zone in here. I have like UK and then I have like something else in like Eastern Europe. And I was like, fuck, I totally get it now. And like, I benefit a ton by, uh, 
I know that you're moving around between the country, but I always benefit whenever I have West Coast clients all the way here on the East Coast, mm-hmm. being three or four hours ahead for any projects that I work on for them comes in clutch. Cause like, yeah. I'll have things where like, it might be for me, like I procrastinated, but then for them, they're getting the content or whatever it is that like, if I'm managing their podcast or I'm doing a mix for a band or something, it comes in at like 3am or 4am. And they're like, damn, this guy's hustling. If they don't think about it. Too yeah. Much, they like, think you just went to sleep. Never, never <laughs> says like, yeah, man. Like, so you can play those time zones to your advantage, but it, but, uh, yeah. The English people kill me, man. When I'm working with English projects, then I'm always like getting wrecked. So yeah, yeah, that's a brutal time zone. Yeah, so I get that for sure, for sure. My team's all in like different time zones too, like for my agency. Um, so hmm. we, I kind of have a as long as you're operating in some U.S. time zone, you can do whatever you want. Um, so that's kind of cool for them because. Like who, like I said that rule. Cause I'm like, who am I to tell people that they have to work at a specific time? Like I'm going to be in East coast time zone this week. And then I'm going to be in West coast. And then I might go to Hawaii. Like who knows? So I just figured I, I told them like, as long as you're operating in some basic U S time zone, you can shift your hours whenever you want. Just make sure you're kind of consistent. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about that, man, because I asked you like right before the show where I saw your content and I was like, man, your content looks awesome. Like I, like I want to work my uh, Instagram content to look more like that. I was like, it looks great. And then you said it was uh, a gentleman in the, I think you said the Philippines. Yeah, that's Mackie. That's working that. So yeah, Mackie, if you listen to this, you're killing it, man. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, how did you put this team together? How did you start working with people in these different, you know, like how did you go about finding your team to put together? Sure agency, by the way, I'm not sure the full extent that you do, Max, but Max makes ridiculously beautiful websites that's what thank you he's about for the most part people if you haven't checked out his stuff it'll be in the show notes but how did you put together this agency man how did it how did it work out to work with people internationally as a team in the agency because i work with people as clients in different places but i don't know that i've ever done some of that and there's so much opportunity in working with the, like you have such a bigger pot if you're like hey i can work with anyone we just need to like you said, you got to set some rules of like, hey, we have to work within this time period or something. But I don't know anything about that. How did that come together? How'd that work out? Yeah. So the bulk of my team is in like literally lives in US time zone. So anybody that a client is going to be communicating with or a guest on my show or any anybody like front facing has to be um, working in some like living in some US time zone. And I sure. say that li- living in Mexico right now, and I know that's hypocritical, but it's just it's just what I found works. I've tried it in many different ways. There are certain roles, like for example, video editing, that you know it's not as critical that they're they do need to be awake and working during our U.S. business hours. There's no way with any kind of creative business that you're not going to have revisions on stuff that they send in. You're not going to need things quick. Like anybody who's worked in any kind of industry like this knows that you do have to, you know, you do have to go back and forth on stuff in real time. Yeah, but like. For those kinds of things, you don't need to be completely synced up. Um, like for video editing or for like sometimes back-end web stuff, that's fine too. So for, for people like that, you asked me like how I find them. For people in the Philippines, the best way is onlinejobs.ph, I found. That's a website. Okay. You can just like post what you're looking for, write a description of what you want, write how much you're willing to pay, and then people who are interested in meeting those criteria will uh, apply. For If you don't care where someone's coming from, Upwork is great. Um, Fiverr's good for specific, like one-off jobs. I would say uh, those are those are the three I've used for international talent sourcing. Awesome. And so, in terms of the agency model, there is it like contract work. They're not actual employees, right? No, no. Everyone overseas is is a contractor. I don't even know how you would do. I guess you could. No, I don't have any international employees. The guy in the Philippines does work for me forty hours a week, though. He just is in the Philippines. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome, yeah. man. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's the perfect setup for for what we do. I mean, I've been doing this for about, I'm going on six years now. So I, I think you know, I've tried many different combinations of like this person, this job's in the Philippines, this job's in India, this job's here, this job's in wherever. I think this is the optimal one. Like my core people that I work with day in, day out are all in the US and then there are ancillary positions around the globe. Sure. So what makes up the agency? Like how, what, what pieces make up your business and how did that go from you starting it 
in college, probably on your own into this team that you've scaled up to do this? Quite a question. The way it is now, there are there's one creative director, her name's Emily, and then I've got two designers working uh, as well, and they design and they develop. Their names are Patsy and Laura. And that's, that's the team that I work with on client projects. Hello to them if they're watching. <laughs> and uh, then there's the marketing side as well, which is Mackie. And there's also Rachel who directs like my social media and the podcast and a lot of the marketing efforts that, that we do. Those are the people that I'm working with on a day-to-day basis. There are other pieces of like contractors that we bring in. Like we have some great backend developers in Canada that we work with and India for very specific kinds of things. But that's, that's the bulk of the team. In terms of how we got here, you know, there's, I started by hiring, you know, one person. The, the agency has transformed so much, right? Like I started off trying to be a jack of all trades, all things to all people. Yeah. I was a, like, I would do Facebook ads. I would do logo design, graphic design, uh, layouts, web design, web development, everything. So I started out by learning the basics of every single part of the marketing world. And then over time, I uh, realized that that was unsustainable because I was trying to hire people who were also jack of all trades, but all those people owned their own companies. So, so that was really hard. So uh, right. what I ended up doing was there was like this one crazy day where I realized that I was going to have to take a step back to go forward. So I, I was probably a sophomore or a junior in college and I had 30 to 40 clients on, on retainer. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. And we had a team of like, seven or eight people at the, at the time. And it was like this crazy moment. I was like, what do I do here? How, how do I? Were you just booked at all periods of time, like in like just burnt, burning up mode, like holy shit. Oh yeah. And I was a full-time student. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Managing yeah. 30 to 40 clients anyway, that sounds like a full week to me, but let alone that on top of school, I, dude, you must've yeah. been just like at it. Yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty nuts for a little bit. Um, so I just realized that something had to change and it's emotional too, because like, it's not just me. It's like these people that work for me and depend on me and they're these clients that depend on me and you know, they, I'm solving problems for them. So in one, in one breath, I just like decided like I'd been wrestling with it for a while, but in one breath I decided like I have to cut my business into 25% of what it is. And I sent the emails client wise, client wise, client wise. Um, and my, my team was so stressed. Like everyone was like completely stressed out. We had no processes because how do you make a process for everything when everything is changing? Yep. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a, that was a rough time, but from there we scaled back and have built up again since. And now the business is significantly better, like way more sustainable. Every project, almost every single project is, is a win. Whereas before it was like, we were scrambling to get wins. Uh, we're, but, but now things are a lot better. That's awesome. Well, so I felt this like, I mean, I think that that's like a natural piece of uh, anyone who's working some type of creative business of like these natural, uh, these natural ways of like overgrowth, you know, like you get, you get us like you, you basically, you don't start out with a team like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't start out with vibing out like exactly like you said you started freshman year this happened like end of sophomore year which first of all kudos on that growth because that's stupid man to be 30 40 clients in retainer in like a <laughs> year wild. and a half like that's <laughs> stupid quick growth so first of all thank you that's part of it is you were crushing something right but thank you i feel like uh like i've, I've actually told my wife like she kind of knows like I, I will tell her like hey i'm at a spot right now where i'm in like be like, Hey, I'm in growing pains right now. And she knows exactly what that means. And it's like, I did something to stimulate aggressively. Like I was like, Hey, let's get this going. Let's do this new service. Let's do this for this space or whatever. And I attacked something, but then Mm -hmm. it's like, good job. Like great job to you. But then it's like, now I got to, I just created a problem for myself and now I need to fix it. And it's like, Hey, get clients, get clients, get clients so that this can function. I can't handle all these clients. I need to do stuff for systems. I need to do stuff for time. Yeah. I need to do stuff for people. I need to do stuff for stress. Stress is is like the number one thing, man, where like I see the business owner that I don't want to be. When I see the person that owns like a shop or something, they like like, you know, like the people that you're getting services from, and you see this like tired, dead, like 50-year-old dude that you know has been doing this for like 30 years, and they just never 
fix some of those processes or they never fix some things and you just watch them. And like, sometimes you, you, you can call a business owner and it's all partially part of it where you can call someone at friggin' 11 at night or 2 a.m. or it's like, sometimes these people are still in their offices, man. The office light's still on, it's but it's like, what, what would you give as advice for people out there that when they hit those sections, like what, what is it that kind of for you, you were like, hold on a second. I got to fix this thing. And then like, what did it take to take that step back to be like, like that hurts, man. You worked really hard for a year and a half to get all that clients to take 25% of them and be like, actually I'm all set. Like I have to get out of this. What did, what, what things were you feeling that made you have to make that reaction and what things went into the decision in doing that piece of the process for it? Cause you must've learned a lot in that one moment that I'm sure is spider webbed into micro decisions that you make on the daily. Now I bet. It came at a time when I had just met this guy. His name was Bjorkvin, and he invited me to go out to lunch with him because I think he saw that I was like struggling. This he was a freelancer who also lived in Tucson, and he had overcome similar things. And he recommended this book to me, and he's like, "Hey, look, like the way people actually succeed in business is by building processes, you mm. know, and and executing on those processes consistently." What and was the book? It's called Built to Sell. Okay. It's my, I don't know about quality wise, but I like, I think that's the best book anyone should read because if you don't, if you're missing that any, any business person, because if you're missing that key block of business knowledge, which I was, then your chances of success are, are brutally low, especially in a creative service industry. Basically the thesis is do one thing and do it well and do build processes around it. Don't wing it every time. Anything you don't have a process for you're winging. Anything you're winging is unscalable. So if you, wow. Yeah, it's a good book. <laughs> so what what that book allowed me to do was realize that, okay, so I've got, I think at the time I was offering 14 or 15 different services and all of them, I was the only person who knew, knew how to do up to standard. 100%. So if you're the bottleneck at every part in your process, you're barely able to delegate. So you asked me what advice I would give to, to someone, like don't start out that way. Make sure you have only things that you have systems for that you're selling and your systems are going to change and improve over time. But you got to start with a system. What I'm doing now is like what this current phase of growth is for me is like, okay, so we've got systems in place, but now we're growing faster than we can produce. Like we're, we're making more sales, getting more websites than we know how to build in a timely fashion. So we're rejecting a lot of projects. Right. So, and that's not great, right? So we want to scale to be able to meet that growth. And I also don't want to stop selling. Like I want to, I want to sell more, not less. Right. So what the, what, the, what the problem becomes is training. And training right now would be absolutely impossible if we did not have rock solid processes for every step of what we do. So right now what we're doing is creating like a video library of every step of every build where it's like literally like, like half of my day every day right now is going to, and not half, but like 25% of my day every day is going to like me recording how to do parts of each project and then just like putting them in that library, letting our editor like clean it up and make it presentable because I'm the worst on camera, like when I'm recording tutorials. <laughs> so <laughs> letting him edit it up and then putting it, putting a finished product in there so the team can, you know, be trained and, and learn how to do new things. That's very smart. Yeah. I like, I'm not anywhere near your capacity, but like it's, this is a great, this is a great conversation for me right now. I've been doing some of those same things where I finally brought an assistant on for some of the things that isn't like my magic touch, you know, like the things that are mm-hmm. like editing or tuning vocals. Uh, there's certain things that I do do that like I learned from shadowing like a producer in LA that was a great mentor for me. So there's things that even in that process that like I do that I want to make sure are happening but they're not things that necessarily can't be taught. But like some of the way that like I might approach a mix that kind of can be taught, but at the same time, like that is very much my thumbprint where like that is, that is 100% just how is my mind going to think through a problem and how am I going to address it? And that is built up off of X amount of years of like how I like to listen to music, how I've interacted with music and how I've done that thing. Everyone's mind is different at that part. So it's like those pieces that I can sub out. I've been working on that and that's exactly what I've been doing. I've just been screen capturing myself doing it for hours, trying Mm. to trim that down and then getting it over to my assistant. Like when things aren't working, when we're not able to like get what I'm looking for out of it, that's one thing that I have as a recommendation that I learned quickly to people out there that are trying to do some of these things is that like, anything that you don't show 
or you don't say, you cannot expect that it would be done. And it's not Absolutely. like, no you chance. just can't expect it. You can't it's, expect that of anyone, dude. It's not reasonable at all. But like, I feel like in my head, I was like, man, I don't get why this is not happening. But then I like think about mm-hmm. it and you're like, cause you'd never said that. And most of it was coming from a place for me where I just was like, I respect this person. Like he's an awesome engineer and I assume that he can do it because he's just awesome. But it's just the exact way that I want. If I never communicated it, he could be the best engineer in the world. And if we're not on the same page and I never did anything to do it, then it's like, what do you expect? What would happen? I feel like every time we talk, you say words that I would have just said. Like that is exactly, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have put that any differently. You can have the best person in the world for something. And if you don't show them how you, how you want it done, they won't do it the way you want them to. It's, right. It's just, that's not how people work. Everyone's different. And uh, yeah, that, that's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's Damn, it. man. Yeah, this is why I like talking with you, man. This is why like, I wanted to... Uh, to uh, hijack you for at least another hour of your time. Cause uh, I'm really liking the things that you're, you're hitting, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So what's your, what's your assistant doing for you? What is he doing for me right now? He's yeah. doing the, uh, like right now I'm, I'm managing some podcasts. So I've got like a lot of software that I've paid for that he doesn't have on his computer and a lot of like presets and things like that, that it just makes sense for me to do that point but he is doing the mm. editing so he's going through editing out the stuff where like i've done that i've done hundreds and hundreds of episodes of podcasts where i've edited the stuff out but that's not something that i have to do so he's editing right. podcasts for me editing audiobooks editing uh you know voiceover things like that and then it comes to me as a really clean in terms of content piece and then i'm taking and i'm processing that through to get that as a finished product so for me it's something that would have taken me maybe two hours for an episode, another hour of transfer now has gotten down to about a half hour of work for me or 15 minutes, which is much better. And I think that there's more that I can do obviously in the future to do more on that. But then like for a mix, mix prep is like been literally the balls, dude, like having that happen. Like he knows he's now learning, like I have a color coding scheme. I have a file name scheme. I have, editing to time and grid, editing to uh, tuning or anything like that. So that when I hit something, that's the part of the process where like I would procrastinate. Like I won't, I hate that. I hate doing that portion. I want to like hit it and just be like thinking about how am I going to attack this in like a creative way. And when you're Mm. doing like the editing portion, the time sync and all that stuff, I still do that all the time. So it's not like that's off of my plate, but like whenever I can make that, not be part of it. I look at it in a completely different way than I used to before. Then I want to listen to the song the least possible. Honestly, I want to listen to it the least possible. Give me the least time to form a bias of anything. I just want to figure out what needs to happen. And then whatever's organic, whatever's gut, that's the same way I feel in business, man. It's like, I want gut on anything that I can possibly force it into. And then when I overthink things, that's when stuff's going to start sucking every time. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's how I feel. So you were saying like, I know I'm not supposed to be interviewing here, but I was curious. So you, <laughs> you were, I already had my turn, but you were saying that like, there's, there's you know, parts of what you do that it's your taste in music, you know, it comes down yeah. to that. I really like relate to that because I feel like in web design, there's you know, to a lesser extent, but still to a very much prominent extent in terms of the amount of knowledge you need to have, like a creative eye is also super important and yeah. it just comes down to my taste. And that's, that's, like, that's a really tough thing to hire for. So do you just like hire people that have the, there's like some of your interview questions, like, you know, what's your taste in music like? <laughs> no, I only, when I hire people for anything, I basically don't care about anything except for who that person is always. Like, really? I don't look at anything, dude. I just want to know, like, who is this type of person? Are they going to work with me or not? And and if it's the right person, man, like, obviously it's it's like, if I'm trying to hire an audio engineer and someone has never audio engineered before and I need to them to do things that are like a high level, that's not what I'm saying. I still need to hire someone that does the thing. But like I, for anything, man, I mean, cause this isn't like, this isn't like the taste things that are the process that like I need help with. They, there's still character that you put into that based off of your own preferences. There's no way that you can't have bias baked into just about everything that you do, but 
I can train on a lot of these processes, but I'm not having them do the mix or I'm not having them do, I don't know, like right now I write music for podcasters or YouTubers. I do the royalty-free music writing for them. That's straight up like my writing, which you can't like every writer, every songwriter out there is completely different. So I could hire someone probably to do pieces of that, but it's just like certain things like that. It's, I don't know. That's kind of the way I I think Mm -hmm. creative business. And actually this would be a great question for you formed out of this conversation would be like creative businesses. When you start them usually are a one for one technician job, but my whole outlook on trying to do anything in the creative space from a business background too, you know, I'm an audio engineer. I'm in music. You're, you're web, you know, people out here who are physical artists and stuff. What's your take on scaling creative business? Because I feel like it doesn't happen because people don't think that it can happen a lot, but I don't think that it doesn't happen because it can't happen. And I feel like there's a way to scale creative business in a way that is effective for your time and the lifestyle you want to form without compromising the touch points that you have to make to hit that. What's your take on that? And how have you been doing that so far? How do you keep the you that makes sure agency, max sure it's an attachment of your name. How do you keep that piece of your brand? But then how do you scale? Cause you literally have a podcast on scaling sometimes and you're changing it up all the time, dude. But like that is a tough thing to attack. It's not easy to do. It's interesting that you asked that. I was thinking about this the other day. And I want to preface this by saying that I have not achieved the level of scale that I am trying to uh, yet. But yeah, I think that it comes down to an ego thing. Like, mm. you have to recognize that no, it's because it goes back to what we said earlier. No one's going to ever do things at the level, like, at, not at the level, but the way that you would do them. And you have to recognize that other ways can also be correct. That's what mm. makes it a creative industry. There are multiple correct solutions. Now, there are criteria that everything needs to meet. Like a web page needs to have this button there. It needs to have this scrolling effect there. Like there are, there are a set of criteria that every creative deliverable needs to meet in order to be of quality. But yeah. you have to let go of your ego saying that your way is best. And that, that was so hard for me for so long. It still is hard for me, but you have to do it. So that's what the creative director role is, in my opinion, in a business. You let their ego rule. You can't let your ego rule. So you wow. have to hire someone to, to be the ego that you need to let go of. I think killing ego is like kind of the key to like, it's not just in business space. Like everyone talking about killing ego, that's like kind of the goal. I think to be just a good person or successful in life is like, how do we make it so that it's not ego is a natural piece of being human where like you need to care about yourself even if you go primal and just talk about like i need to care about me living you know what i mean like i i have to care about me as a person to be alive like physically you it's like a primal thing of like a defense mechanism we're baked in with an ego of like i need to get food and water and shelter and like these are the things but i feel like past that natural like maslow's hierarchy primal instinct of an ego purpose it's like for everything else it's like ego needs to get out of the way to just like i don't know man like to be like into a further state or like get to that next spot of like what what's possible past this because there's so much past ego that can open up and like really do some incredible things for so many people once you're out of that space i guess for like both business wise or like when you're approaching that because of the way that you're thinking is probably the same process how did you go about trying to pick people where you're like, hey, let's take this ego from someone else and let them sh- send that forward? Or how did you remove your ego from that equation? Because I, I, I totally agree with that statement. That's probably what gets in our way a lot of uh, allowing that to happen, which makes it really much harder on people who are, are in charge of a creative business from allowing any type of scaling to happen and, and thus killing stress giving themselves a better lifestyle probably and, and being able to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a great question. So I think the answer is no one starts at a point where you can trust them because they haven't been trained yet. So you start someone at a different position and you have to be patient. The mistakes that I've made in the past are just forcing someone into a position because I need someone in that position. 
not because they're ready for it. So now what we do, like the, the way we have our current creative director now, she started as an intern, then she was a designer, and now she's a creative director. Because over that period of time, I was able to realize that, okay, while her taste is different than mine, it is still good. And she understands the criteria that we need to hit for, you know, the deliverables that are required. And, you know, all of our clients love her. So like, that's, that's, that's what's required in order to succeed in that role. So as long as you set those benchmarks for yourself in advance, you'll realize when someone gets there. Right. That's simple. It seems simple, right? It seems simple, but it sucks when you're like, like when you don't have someone for the role and suddenly you're like, you're managing 12 projects on your own, you know, like if you don't let your emotions get to you, you'll make the right decision. But if you let, if you're willing to take the heat of the stress of being overworked for a short period of time, because you know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like it will get there. Yeah. And one thing that like I've been thinking about a lot lately is, uh, you know, there's another podcast that I've already mentioned on here that like I absolutely love called the six figure home studio podcast. They're rebranding to the six figure creative because they like to work with, it's funny, like they're audio engineers that like to help creatives too. It's really funny, but they talk about this concept of killing your sacred cow, which I think is really in a line with killing the ego. And like one example, I'll, I'll say right now, I stopped mastering my own stuff. Like I, Mm -hmm. I have been running, I have been actually using another audio engineers platform. This is how he scaled as being an audio engineer to just like, he's just a ridiculous entrepreneur. He's on the show as well. Jay Moss. I use his master. AI mastering software, which is super taboo. Like it's like, that's such a thing in, in the industry is like, oh, you don't, ma- you know, you don't master your own stuff. You use whatever. It's like, it's never going to be. It's like, well, in my opinion, this is actually AI that's working in still the benefit of the, the music. Like this is really good software for me. And for me, I just realized that when I mastered it myself, it felt better to me because it was me and I could be like, I did all of that. I did blah, blah, blah. Like I did mix, master, record, edit, writing, blah. I did all these things and it feels really good. But I was just realizing that A, just like I was talking about, like where I want the least amount of time in a project for the least bias to form. So it's just all gut. That was a thing where like I had already been, I had recorded the person, I had edited it, tuned it, mixed it, mastered it, written in it. It's just like I did so many pieces of the pie by the time I got to mastering, which is getting this final product, this final polish on the thing that sends it out, by the time I hit that spot, I have so much bias baked into what I was creating. It was just not the quality that it needed to be. And that's it, before AI, a lot of mixing engineers would send out to mastering engineers so that they didn't have that bias. This has been happening forever, but I, uh, I guess I am just rolling in that taboo right now of early AI mastering i'm sure that that's going to be the standard and over the next five years i i that's my vibe on the industry we'll see what happens i think it'll but, be uh, everything it'll be in mind too oh, everywhere dude it's gonna like, be no one's gonna be everywhere. able to conversion rate optimize better than like for a web page than than at a computer is ever it's just gonna google's gonna come up with a thing and then that's gonna be what everyone does yeah but like yeah, another you, thing you that i think is important about about this discussion we're having is like them think about like if you're a creative, right? Think about the pride and work that you put out that, that you have when you deliver something and a client loves it. Like there is nothing better than that feeling when a client goes, wow, this absolutely was fantastic. Like good job, like this changed my business or yeah. my, my career, whatever it is, right? The feeling that you get when a team member was responsible for that deliverable is like 10 times better because then you have a system for producing it. Like, or, and if you've got, if, if an AI product is what allows you to achieve that scale and that's fantastic. Like the more times you can, you can get that like job well done, the better. And you should, you should chase that. Exactly. Rather yeah, than the appreciation of the methods that your peers think you should or shouldn't be using. hundred percent, man. That's like, I guess that was my long story short of that was like, just like you were saying, like if the product, it has to hit these standards, but if the product's good, it's good. That's like where I'm at right now, man, is like, I don't give a genre people are playing to their from and their background. I don't give a shit what influenced it. I don't care if they use stuff that's like loops or pre-recorded things from Splice. They didn't write it or they didn't make the sound. I don't care about anything, dude. But at the end of the day, what I care about, does it sound good? Yeah. Is the person happy? Is it making an impact? 
the, the rest of it, I don't give a shit, man. I don't care if I hire 15 people and they do so many pieces of the project. I don't care if someone bought uh, beats from someone and they didn't make it. Like all these other, all these things of like, well, you didn't do the, I, I don't care, man. I want results. I want happiness. And I want the creative to be like absolutely stellar and the person that's doing it to feel great about it. The rest of how that happens, as long as it's an ethical thing and it's doing ethically the right thing for the art and for society, I don't give a shit how it happens, dude. And like that's where I think I've gotten to to make those decisions where like you're hiring someone. Yeah, there's certain things that you have to hit X, Y, and Z to be, a, to be the right product for this person, to be the right service. It has to hit those. That's the industry standard right now. That's something we can't mess with. But past that, it's like, who am I to say that, you know, if this can be better without me, it's just like, then let's do it. Like, I, like who gives a shit? We're in a similar position. Like we, we intentionally use tools that you don't need to be an absolute like professional developer to use. Like it is so much better to use something that the client is going to be able to interface with at the end than do what all the developers think that, you know, oh, it's not pure code or there are so many weird stigmas around it, but because, you know, naturally they're developers and they want to protect their their livelihood, but it's just not the best tool for the job anymore. Like I, some, some businesses will come to me and ask me for a website. I'll be like, you should probably just make it yourself in Squarespace is what I like. what I'll tell some people like use the best tool for the job, not what developers think you should use. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's like the it's just the results, man. Like all the time. Like how many times have you asked someone you're like, "Hey, this looks incredible or this sounds incredible or like your website or whatever it is that you're impressed with." You're like, "How the hell did you do this?" And they're like, "I use this free tool." And you're like, "Damn." Yeah. You know what I mean? You're ready for them <laughs> to like drop something and be like, "Well, I spent $10,000 on this. I hired like that." You're ready for it. And then they're like, "I use GarageBand." That's why what, it's a creative what, industry. Minutes, and you're like, "All right." Just yeah. like I, I tell people all the time, like I, I talk off of the, uh, the Billie Eilish, like getting all of those awards. Like, so first of all, and I've already gone on the rant, so I'll make it super short. First of all, she did hire insane producers and things that worked with her. But at the end of the day, her and Phineas did cut the record out of a home studio. And it's like that, that was like a, a ripple in the industry to be like, yes, top 40 top smash hits they're being made in 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 a house and then that's why it's like i whenever people come to me like hey i know that i'm i don't have a pro studio but like i'm just looking to like figure out how i can start getting into audio i'm always like i'm not judging you i'm not i think you can do whatever you want to do and i'll help you do whatever you want to do but like i i'm sitting here and i've got i'm renovating this house so obviously i'm gonna have like a hopefully a bougie studio someday that i can i can flex a little bit on but it's like I'm doing all my work right now on this beautiful floral wallpaper, crushing it with this shitty ass drop ceiling and lamp. And it's like, if, if I can do it, you can do whatever you want to do. And it's like, I don't know, man. I'm I basically, long story short, I'm, I'm so down with, uh, your, your take on ego and, and, and working through that in a creative process, man. That's, that's pretty, uh, big of you to be able to stomach that. It's just a hard, that's such a hard process. And it's like a big, I feel like it's that pill to swallow meme. It's like the pill to swallow is like straight up the ego and you sorting that pill out where you're like, I don't matter sometimes. And it's like, that's a hard pill to swallow, man, especially in creative. You're, you are the art, you are the agency. It's crazy. It's hard shit. It is, man. You summed it up perfectly right there. That's that's it. All right, dude. Well, I, uh, I have five questions that I ask at the end. And the only reason we're doing that is because of the length of time that we've talked or else I would talk with you for an exorbitant amount of time. I can tell you that. I feel like, yeah, we could go for a bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, are you, are you down to hit my like five questions at the end and then uh, go hang out in Mexico? Sounds like a good time. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first question is we kind of get it. Throughout this, I just did the hundredth episode where I straight up montage that shit of like taking this question because I really am passionate about it. And it's just, why do you wake up and do the thing that you do every single day versus any other thing that you could possibly do in life? Like, like time is obviously the most expendable, you know, like the most valuable piece. Why do you wake up and do the thing that you do every single day instead of getting out of bed and doing any other possible thing that you could do? Why? Cause I committed to it and the only other option is to give up and that's not happening. Fair. 
I love it when people answer and it's like just sharp. I like both answers. I like when people answer really long and it's like this crazy thing that blows my mind. I also love it when it's super short. And it's like, this is the exact reason why. Yep. Yep. So, uh, what would be along the way, say you could take the lesson and kind of like pop it into someone. Like they didn't have to go through quite as much as you went through to learn this lesson from it. What is the worst choice or decision that you've made along the way or the shittiest thing that you've had to deal with through this process of either being digital nomad, starting the business, in the in, in the website making industry, what's the shittiest thing that you don't recommend to people? Hey, don't do this five years ago, me. Don't do this. I would say it's a finance thing actually. Hmm. So if you're doing creative projects, this is a bit of a controversial one. But if you're doing if you're doing creative projects, don't spend the money that you used on that project that, that you got from that project to do that project. Whoa. Because, because you should always have at least that much reserves because if suddenly that client turns crazy and you need to give them their money back, like you need to have that flexibility because otherwise it'll throw your whole business off the rails. Basically, you need to like the way that I think about this is at any given moment, I need to have cash to refund every one of my clients. Mm. That's and really it's, smart. And that's a, that's, a, that's a big one that I recommend to people. That's really smart. So I will say that, you know, you said it's controversial. On this exact podcast, I have said to people before about some of the times when I've been starting up and I took on like some live sound gigs, dude, that were like a big contract. Like it was a big payment for me for what I had taken in so far based off of performing on equipment that I didn't own. And I took the contract and then bought that equipment like two days before it and then ran that stuff to be able to kick into like next levels of business. So I did exactly what you said not to do, but I've done it too. in defense, man, I did have in my personal stuff, I did have backup money, but business wise, I know that you're not supposed to blend them that way. I did not have some of those reserves that you're talking about. I think that's just general good business, man, that you're, you're performing is just, um, you know, not being cash flow. It's like operating your operating margin. expenses. Okay. Yeah. You need to be able to operate. And, uh, if you spend everything you have also for taxes, then, uh, you need to be not yeah. doing the wrong thing. Don't, don't do year one and not put aside money for taxes. People you'll cry. It's super tempting to like use all of the money that you have at your disposal to fuel growth. And at a certain level, you have to do that. But I also feel like when you have a business that's built on processes like you have to in a, in a successful creative industry, if you get a client who is not going to be able to follow those processes and is refusing to play by the, by the rules that you have set, you need yep. to be able to refund them and get them out of your life because they're going to, if you're, if you're doing 15 projects, they're going to be the 16th that ruins all 15. Yep. Oh, hundred percent, man. That's such good. That's such good advice. That's like, uh, that's like 80, 20 principle, right? Yeah. That's super true. Eighty percent of all of them twenty percent of the of the clients. Yep. Yep. That's super. That's or super alternatively, true. hire like a freelancer to do the project, like in parallel, so the rest of your team isn't getting bogged down. Fair. There are many ways to solve the problem, but money is the solution to all of the solutions. Money, money is a solution to a lot of problems, as shitty as it can be. Sometimes it yeah. does. You, you can usually throw money at stuff over and over and over and solve problems. It just isn't <laughs> ideal, you know. Yeah. True. <laughs> True. All right, flip side of it. What's the best thing that you've ever done? Best idea? Uh, becoming a digital nomad for sure. Yeah, this is, this is so good because it forces me to, like when you're a workaholic, when you're working super, super hard and you're up until two in the morning, like everyone has those phases. But when you're doing that, that means that there's something unsustainable in your business. So if you mm. are in a position where you're no longer, like if you're in that position, that's a, that should be a sign of negative health of your business as a whole, not just you. So even if you are like, oh, I'll sacrifice myself for the business because you know we all get like that sometimes. Yeah. You can't, rec you have to recognize that this has to be a temporary thing. And when yes. you're traveling like this, you can't do that. Like, sure, I'll still do it every once in a while, but like, it's not a regular part of our systems. Like <laughs> there's no night, there's no like once a week, Max stays up until three in the morning, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure I have clients who will see this and be like, but you emailed me at three in the morning, but that doesn't count. That was the exception. <laughs> not the rule, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's, it, it is so funny talking to you because I feel like you've dealt with problems like 
a year or two ahead of me in every instance. Cause like <laughs> literally right now I've been telling people, all right, the only defense I'll give myself is that I recognize that it is a temporary thing, but I'm in a push period right now. Okay. And I, I worked my ass off last year to get out of doing seven days a week and get healthier. I started nice. doing like marathon training. I started eating nice. better. Like I just did a ton of things for my health last year. That was a big push. Now I'm right back in. I'm still doing like, I'm still working out. I'm still doing things that are healthy for my body. But I, right now I'm in a push period with this build on times of these other workload that I just, I don't actually have that time that I signed the line to do, but I'm in a push where I'm now seven days a week, six or 7 a.m. till friggin' midnight, dude. Like that's my life again. Jeez, dude. And Oof. it's disgusting and it's but awful. Passion project too. Like that farmhouse is going to be so cool. And to your exact point, I am fully aware that it is not a permanent work style and I have a date range that it's projected to end. I have like a, this is a push that I'm going to sacrifice myself for the business, but it should end in the end of June. So people listening to the show, you can look at me at the end of June and either call me an asshole or be like, good job, Dave. But like, if I'm still doing it or not, yell at me. Like, Usually when I'm in that position, for me, that means that I need to either hire or promote. Like I need to give someone more of my job or bring in someone else to do someone else's job so that I can promote someone else to do my job. You know, somewhere there needs to be another person added to the equation. Right. But you're yeah. building a house, so I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's <laughs> money, man. If, if I had the money, it would be people that are hired to do it, but I'm yeah. straight up building. Um, it, it's back to input output. It's like, it's not a, uh, a scalable. It's straight up like I either go out there and get plaster and asbestos and shit poured on me for three days straight or it doesn't happen. So it's like, I think this is when the, the big guys get loans, but I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like when that kind of situation comes up, you know, one day I will. Yeah, I think I will too. I'll, I'll be at that point where we can do that. Yeah. I think yeah. when it's, when I do my vacation rentals, that's when I'll do it. Hell yeah, man. You said a couple resources through the show that I will list in the show notes, mm. but what is a recommended resource that you have for the audience? It could be a book, podcast, website, video, movie, anything that you would recommend. It can be in any of the topics that you play in too. It could be multiple resources, but I know that you recommended that book I'll put in the show notes and I'll recommend, I'll put that uh, website that you use for hiring some people. I'll put all those in the show notes, people, so you can check that out. But any other recommended resources you have, people should check out. Yeah. The one I'm like evangelical about right now is uh, Atomic Habits, Atomic Habits by James Clear. That has absolutely changed my business. Hmm. Like I, and it's like not even a business book. It's a, it's a self-help book. Actually. It's like, here's how to build better habits. And I love that kind of thing. But I feel like they usually enter like a good one of those. I feel like they are one in one. It's true. Cause it's just like how to build systems for yourself. It's like how to like conduct that. yourself, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So from this book, like I didn't read it in the book, but I implied it from the book. Like I created like this, this list of improvements to like just all of my companies and, and all that stuff. And every day I do one thing and it forces me to get like to work on my business instead of in my business, at least for part of the day. And that yes. is a really hard thing to do as an entrepreneur when you're living in the whirlwind. Yes. That for people, like a lot of people that listen to the show, obviously this is kind of the point of it. They're working creative businesses. And usually just like this whole episode that we've been talking, it's like a, I started because I do this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I literally have in my schedule a, on your business day, right? So it's like on, I think it's Tuesdays now. It's like on Tuesday, it's an on your business. You have this many hours to do an on your business session. So that that way it's scheduled to be like, you cannot do a function that's serving an exact thing inside of there. It has to be some type of overview thing to try to get better at the shit that is just getting in your way because you you can't unclog those machines or do those processes that you've come up with. You've come up with so many processes, Max, that's like, you can't come up with those while you're making the website. You just can't do it. It doesn't make sense. It's true. You have to step outside of it and look at it holistically. And if you can with another person, that's, yes. that's why it's good to have good people around because they'll see stuff that I don't because they're, they're working on it. They're the ones building the site. So like Max would be so much easier if we just didn't do this step and we did this instead. Like obviously, you know, right, right. 
Totally. And then also, that's why we're the other reason we're entrepreneurs. Like we have crazy ideas, and if you don't have time to actually sit down and execute them, you'll never do them. You'll just spend the entire time like doing your creative passion instead. And yeah, that's great, but you're not going to achieve your goals that way. Exactly. Last one, man, is the very easiest, and that is just straight up like people want to keep up with Max Sure Sure Agency. See where you're traveling at. See what's going on in your life. Where do people stay up to date with you, man? If you just want to follow me and hang out, I'm at at Max underscore S-H-E-R. That's my last name, sure, on Instagram. Instagram is probably the one I'm the most active on right now. If you want to hire my agency for a website, it's sureagency.com. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really the best place. Awesome. So people out there, if you are in the middle of something right now, definitely when this comes out on podcast platform, I will have all of that at wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes, episode 106 that has Max on here. All of those will be clickable, clickable links down below <laughs> on whatever you're at on, on podcast and everything. You can click that and jump right onto his stuff and keep up with them. Awesome. So Max, thanks for being on, man. This is like, seriously, like I know kind of met through that other, through your show, but I, I am so glad that I got a chance to kind of drag some of this out of you because you are doing some pretty cool shit, man. Dude, your, your show is really fun. I, I had a good time with you. Thank you so much for, for having me. And breaking the, uh, that was your first live stream, right? Yeah, that was my first one. I think I, I think I liked it a lot. I think we're going to do it again. Oh, cool, man. I've been dragging people into live streams. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs>